the old renaissance is the new renaissance standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction this is the harlem brewing company uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste a sound and a feeling that can only be described in one way harlem style so come and take a trip on the a train with our harlem sugar hill golden ale and our harlem renaissance whip beer the neighborhood original Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timlake Roll, founder of Marjorie's Beef Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving $2 million away to the bottom amongst 400 of our paid customers. You see... That's the way we roll! So come place an order at www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. Marjorie's Beef Jerky is the best tasting beef jerky on this planet! Marjorie's Beef Jerky! Yeah, that's right, because that's the way we roll. You've got it locked to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Tuesday, August 31st. I'm Donald Ware. The time continues to pass and pass and pass as we get set for week one of HBCU football. And uh, majority of the game is going to be played on this weekend. We had three games played on Saturday. I want to break down uh, especially that North Carolina Central and Alcorn State football game in Atlanta. I thought, uh, first of all, with the crowd of 15,000, the announced crowd, 15,215, I mean, I think that's pretty solid considering we're still in COVID. And I think that's a pretty solid crowd, especially when you're talking about this MEAC SWAC challenge. I mean, I thought the crowd, uh, at least, and from what you could see on TV, uh, was decent as well. Good football game. Enjoyed watching the game. As a matter of fact, uh, a close game. Uh, looked like Alcorn State a couple of times could have really jumped out. But costly turnovers by the Braves. I think what hurt the Braves, maybe more so in this game than anything else, were the turnovers in this football game. Now, you can you can attribute some of that to North Carolina Central and what the Eagles were able to do. And I think you have to contribute a lot of that to North Carolina Central and what it was able to do uh, from a defensive perspective. Trey Oliver and his staff really made some adjustments because look at that first drive. I mean, if you look at the first drive, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Alcorn State made it seem like it was going to be an easy game. Went up, right up and down the field, uh, right, with almost no problem. In that opening drive, 10 plays, 65 yards, took 4 minutes and 35 seconds. It was capped off by Felix Harper's 20-yard touchdown pass to Anthony, and it looked like for a moment that uh, the Braves would sort of be off uh, to the races. But then really give the Eagles a lot of credit. The Eagles really settled down, uh, particularly on the next possession for Alcorn State, 
because it forced, and I thought this was key. I thought that next possession uh, was really key for the Eagles to not allow for Alcorn State uh, to sort of get up and down the field. I think if the Braves are able to make that field goal, I mean, it's a 32-yard field goal. I mean, it's a definitely a makeable field goal, unable to make the field goal, and North Carolina Central gets it back. I think that was the key because if you go up 10 nothing and you score in your first two possessions, it's a different ball game for Alcorn and maybe a different bit of a different mentality for North Carolina Central. Missed field goal from 32 yards, you got to have it. Next possession, Alcorn State fumbles the ball. The next possession after that, turn it over on downs. Then you have a situation where the half ends. Come out, first possession of the second half for Alcorn State, a punt, then scoring that touchdown. That touchdown was huge because when North Carolina Central missed that extra point, okay, that would have made the game 14-7 to at the time, my mind immediately went back to Celebration Bowl 2016 when North Carolina Central had an opportunity to tie Grambling, missed the, uh, well, they had a a bad celebration, got a 15-yard penalty, and then missed the extra point, ended up losing that game 10-9, okay? So it took me immediately back to that as soon as, even though the Eagles were up 13-7, I said, man, this may cost them the game. It immediately took me back uh, because that happened in Atlanta, and that was five, almost five years ago, right, from the time that that happened. But it it ultimately did not hurt the Eagles because the Eagles then made, after the touchdown, even though the Braves went up 14-13, to 13, the Eagles came right back. The Braves' next four possessions – after the after their touchdown to take the lead, punt, 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 and then the, the half. By that time, the game was already uh, pretty much over as uh, the uh, the punt return sealed the deal uh, for a touchdown, 77 yards, and we'll talk a little bit more uh, about that as well. When I look at North Carolina Central, right, North Carolina Central's first three possessions didn't look good. The, the offense wasn't able to produce punted the ball uh, three times in a row. But check this out. In its next five possessions for North Carolina Central, touchdown, touchdown, fumble, field goal, touchdown. Scored, put points on the board in four of their next five possessions for the Eagles, and that ultimately uh, proved to be what was able to propel the Eagles in this football game. Brandon Cod ring tons touchdown in the fourth quarter sealed the game. 77 yard punt return for a touchdown. Both teams looked a little bit stagnant in the fourth quarter, even though uh, North Carolina Central had that slim lead with the field goal. Um, Listen, that was a big time play. And then, like I said, the Eagles defense. See, when something like that happens, especially offense, when the offense gets out and does something, it's great, but when the special teams makes a play like that, a kick return, punt return, et cetera, for a touchdown, that really energizes that defense. So we saw that defense play like it was playing in the first half in a resurgence type of deal uh, for the Eagles. They felt really good, knew they had to protect the lead, didn't want, of course, uh, Alcorn State, uh, I mean, a score by Alcorn State, even though it was a two-possession game, uh, that, 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 you know, puts... Alcorn State 
even if it was a field goal, it still makes it now a one-possession game. That gives Alcorn State definitely an opportunity. A little bit of a sloppy game, particularly on North Carolina Central side. 13 penalties in the game. A lot of those penalties uh, in the beginning of the game uh, was a little bit sloppy. But ultimately, the Eagles found a way to win this football game. I don't, as I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, I don't consider this win an upset. It's not an upset. Neither team had played for almost two years. Both teams in the same boat. I'd been saying it when we knew that this was going to be the matchup in the Miak Swag Challenge. It was the it was the only correct matchup if you wanted to have um, in, in, in two teams that were on sort of an even playing field, not necessarily from a talent perspective, but when both teams last played, this was the only matchup you could have because Alcorn State opted out in the spring, only team in the SWAC to opt out in the spring, and then obviously North Carolina Central, uh, the MEAC, none of, well, uh, South Carolina State ultimately did play, uh, as did uh, Dell State. Howard tried to get something going. Uh, but North Carolina Central, Norfolk State, A&T, uh, FAMU, and Bethune, as those the latter three were still in the MEAC at the time, opted not to play in the spring. It would have been a disadvantage uh, to North Carolina Central if the Eagles had been, uh, obvi- otherwise if it had been Alcorn State to me that wasn't playing, if it was another team, then you would have had to have uh, South Carolina State, uh, perhaps Delaware State, be the MEAC representative in this football game. The MEAC had its coaches' media availability on Monday, and that's a switch generally the Media availability for the MEAC was on Tuesday. The SWAC was on Monday. It looks like both conferences have switched media availability. So the MEAC had its media availability on Monday. And when media asked coaches like Rod Milstead of Delaware State, um, also uh, Dawson Odoms, the new head coach there at Norfolk State, about the magnitude of of North Carolina Central's win. Rod Milstead said, hey, I'm a little bit biased. I'm a MEAC guy. Of course, he did play at Delaware State, now the head coach uh, at Delaware State. Not a big surprise to him. I think uh, from, and, and Dawson Odom's mentioned, hey, this is some good football here. And I think with a with a coach, yes. I mean, we can look at and say, okay, the MEAC is on, on life support, right? You got six schools. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think... When you have six schools, you have six schools, and you work within what you have. If we want to compare it to the SWAC or want to compare it to other conferences, then that's fine too. But I think it's still some good football that's going to be played in the MEAC. South Carolina State's going to be one of the preeminent programs. It's going to be a national contender. You can see that by both the Box to Row and or the HBCU coaches in media polls uh, that was released on Monday. Of course, for that media, for those polls, you can visit our website at boxtorow.com. I think South Carolina State's going to be a very viable uh, team. Uh, I think they, they, I mean, South Carolina State's going to be like really, really good. I think Norfolk State with the new head coach, Carter as the quarterback is going to be good. I think Central, you can see, is improved. Big win. Not saying it, to me, it's not an upset, but that doesn't, discount the fact that it was a really big win for North Carolina Central 
over Alcorn State. So we can sit back and say that the MEAC is on life support, and I think in some respects that's true. When you look at a just a year ago, at this point a year ago, you had nine teams in, or well, 11 overall, but nine football-playing schools in the conference. You're only down to eight overall, six football-playing schools in the conference. But I think the MEAC uh, still is going to be pretty good uh, this year. We'll see what happens with Howard and you know, Dell State, I think Dell State is actually going to be improved this year, but we'll just ultimately see how things go. But I feel like the coaches feel very good uh, about where the conference is. It was a lot of positivity on that conference call, uh, especially with North Carolina Central's win over Alcorn uh, State. Let, let's take a look. I want to take a look at the two other games and dive a little bit deeper uh, quickly here into the two other games uh, that were played on Saturday. Uh, of course, Kentucky State defeating Central State 20-6. to It really wasn't that close of a football game. Uh, Kentucky State finally scored after being down 13 uh, to nothing. finally scored early in the fourth quarter. And I guess at that point sort of made it. They, they had some life, but um, Kentucky State obviously quickly uh, quelled that. I think I mentioned this. Uh, you look at Kentucky State's quarterback, I mean, only threw the ball four times and, and didn't complete a pass, but ran the football for 322 yards. That's going to be Kentucky State's MO this year. Uh, Central State is going to have to do a better job of protecting the quarterback. Seven sacks in the ball game by Kentucky State. Kentucky State able to get to the quarterback seven times. Uh, you look at the fact that, that Central State quarterbacks, uh, two quarterbacks, only able to pass for 126 yards, only 134 yards rushing. So really a dominating uh, performance there by Kentucky State, really, really able to get to the quarterback seven times in the ball game. So it's going to be, it looks like it's going to be a, maybe another uphill climb for Kentucky State or for Central State, I should say, moving throughout the course of the season. Uh, in the Florida Memorial and Edward Waters game, again, it's a situation where Edward Waters came back. Prime opportunity for F uh, Florida Memorial to take a victory, big lead. Edward Waters, in essence, uh, really walks down Florida Memorial in the ball game. Edward Waters didn't do a particularly great job uh, with its quarterback play. Three interceptions by quarterbacks, completing only 10 of 15 passes for 112 yards. I mean, a 10 of 15 is not bad. Uh, 112 yards, I guess, is okay for the 10 completions. But three interceptions, no touchdowns in the ball game. Much like Kentucky State, where Edward Waters' bread was buttered, was in the running game. 213 yards rushing in the ball game, and that was the difference for Edward Waters uh, with its victory. As a matter of fact, uh, Smith's one-yard run with 16 seconds remaining in the ball game. The difference as Edward Waters comes all the way back down 13 to nothing in this ball game to defeat Florida Memorial 24 to 20 to 20. So that's going to wrap it up for today's HBCU Football Daily Podcast. We transition tomorrow, the Hump Day edition 
of the HBCU Football Daily Podcast where we take a look at the scoreboard for week one and begin to get you ready for week one in HBCU football. This is going to be a great season, the 129th season of HBCU football. Of course, uh, you can check out all the scores on our website, uh, boxtorow.com. If you want to see the schedule, that's going to be updated uh, for you, uh, as a matter of fact, on Wednesday evening. So check us out at boxtorow.com for all of the games. And uh, I, I can't wait. Like, I'm, I'm super excited. <laughs> Last, I mean, granted, we had spring. It was great. Less than half the HBCU programs played even in the spring. None played during the 20. Uh, during 2020 at all, even in the fall. So this is going to be exciting. It's like you you have something, not that you take it for granted, but you have something. And then all of a sudden it's taken away or it's gone, and then you get it back. Well, that's how I'm feeling with HBCU football. It's back. Uh, the opening week had a couple of really good games. All the games were relatively close uh, in, in opening week. And week one promises to be a great week for HBCU football. Don't forget to tell a couple of friends about the HBCU football daily podcast. We've got you covered opinions, uh, information, etc. with respect to HBCU football can be found on the HBCU football each and every, well, not each and every day, but Monday through Friday. Talk with you tomorrow. BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the Game of the Week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports. BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader.